goodness. <laughs> from the EPR creation, <laughs> from the EPR creation studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast Hot Takes Edition after Florida State comes away with a very hard fought win against LSU to start 2 and 0 for the first time since 2016 folks it's been 6 years since Florida State started 2 and 0 and that was a year where they went to the went to the orange bowl and uh <laughs> wow they made this a whole lot harder on themselves than they had to but tell you what uh you'll take it you know the old saying is lose big lose close win close win big, well, um, hard to win much closer than this. And you compare last year to this year, they they kind of owed Brian Kelly one of these. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, game straight down to the last second. And uh, actually, I have to have to hand it to uh, my, uh, my old buddy, Chad Wheeler, former uh, fellow walk-on at Florida State. He and I were texting earlier in the game. And, uh, he, after this is after the, uh, after the Jared verse block, he, he said, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read this off here. Uh, he said, uh, let's see. I know this is bad, but this is, this is, <laughs> I'm doing this right after the game. Uh, he said, we should be able to block every P- uh, field goal PAT as long as 61 is in on the left side. They walked him back on the first kick and then he blocked out on the second one. And sure enough, left side, once again, same spot, Shaheem Brown with the quickness to knife that gap and get in and, and block the, the extra point to, to seal this game with no, no time left. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, John Papuchis job uh, has some job security after tonight with the uh, schemed up uh, blocked kicks. Uh, also helped to have two muffed punts from LSU. I mean, this this game was a mess from both teams uh, in terms of special teams. But Florida State really won this game because of special teams. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't like they were clean on special teams. I mean, they kicked two field goals or t- two kickoffs out of bounds. They missed this forty-seven yard field goal. The the kicking game, uh, the place kicking game for for Florida State is. Um, is a problem right now. And Fitzgerald has to, has to figure out whatever demons are going on in his head. He, that, it's kind of reminding me of the last time I played in a golf tournament. And it wasn't until the back nine of the, of the second day that I realized I was just trying to hit everything too perfectly. And I committed, I'm just going to walk up and act like I'm on the range with every shot. And suddenly I hit, hit the ball really well, uh, hit it, hit it, uh, started hitting flush shots. And I feel like Fitzgerald is, he must be going out there and, and, He's not kicking it like he he should be in practice. He's he's trying to. There's a there's a disconnect once he gets into games. But either way, you make up for that with the two the recovery of the two muff punts and one of them really was a forced muff because you got to give Wyatt Rector credit there because he crowded the the returner perfectly, kind of clouded his vision a little bit and impacted that catch and then was the guy to recover it and fight fight on the bottom of the of the, uh, of the pile. The second one was just a bad play by by LSU, and you know you'll take it. You, it again, you had guys right in the area and and heads up to uh, to recover that. But yeah, wow. <laughs> anyway, as far as the game itself, 
uh, aside from the special team stuff, which, you know, just talked about, I, my takeaway from this game as a whole was throughout this game, I kept saying to myself, this is a really well-coached football team. These guys are, these guys are doing their jobs. They're playing really hard. They're playing for one another. They're, they're, they're not doing stupid stuff. There, you know, there are a few things that, you know, they could clean up the couple penalties that they had, the one uh, roughing the passer call, which was a ticky tack call. You know, he's kind of running by the quarterback there, but you got to be, you cannot make contact with the quarterback period there. And and they're going to have to learn that. But I mean, really aside from that, they didn't do anything stupid up, up until the the toss call on the goal line, which again, I went back and I watched it and I don't like the toss call. I, I let me, I'll just get, be, be clear here. I don't like that call because I don't like the ball going in the air in that situation, because the only thing that can cost you the game there is basically putting the ball in the ground or throwing an interception. So you just hand that ball off or, you know, run your quarterback, do whatever and make it out of there with, with a win. Uh, but then I went back and I watched it and I see why they called it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, but it was a sure touchdown. I mean, they, they had LSU out, out gapped on that side and it was, it was going to be a walk-in basically. Ward just took his eye off the ball. I mean, it was one of those where, you know, it's a routine play. My guess is that they've probably not fumbled that exchange on the toss on that play in practice in two years. I mean, that's a real fluke. But I mean, again, in this kind of pressure situation, that's kind of what happens. So you've got to get that out of your mind, take it out of the playbook and use something else to score. But I do understand why they called it. Not a fan of it. Also, probably, probably better to kick the field goal before the half to go up 10, 10 to three. And you kind of miss those points all game. Uh, but I understand, again, why they made the decision that they did there because you just watched your kicker kick two two uh kickoffs out of bounds and almost missed the first extra point. So, you know, now you've got a, a kick from sort of the sharp angle on that right hash and maybe you don't feel real comfortable with it. So I get it. But you probably probably better off late in that late in the quarter there because you're not getting the benefit of of really pinning your opponent deep there as much probably better to kick the field goal before the half. I mean, that would kind of be where I'd lean it. That said, Pittman's got to catch that. I mean, it was a good throw and Pittman fundamentally didn't, he made the wrong play. He backed up on that to try to see the ball and and win it going up. He's got to, on that corner route, he's got to continue to run through that ball and keep the defensive back on his back. And if anything, you you end up with with a pass interference call there if you don't come up with it because the defensive back's almost certainly going to try to go through you or over your back. So you do that and you probably catch it. Uh, but then he dropped it and you wind up with nothing there. And then later on, they had another drop uh, from actually a transfer from another one of the transfers, Johnny Wilson, who's he's going to have some drops. I mean, that's just, that's, that's kind of what he, that's the downside for him. Uh, but you know, he had another drop on a, very well thrown ball in the end zone where he should have mossed the guy and, and got his, got both hands on it and just let the ball hit the turf. Those Calabasas guys have to catch the football, but both of those guys made some huge plays in this game. And so, you know, again, you can't complain too much because frankly, I mean, I'm looking at it here. Micah Pittman, three catches for 45 yards, had a long of 25 yak of, of 18 I'll, I'll, you know, that's, that's fine. 
Uh, you look at John at Johnny Wilson, three catches for 60 yards along of 24, where he just manned up on a guy that hit him. Uh, only a 50% catch percentage in terms of targets. He was targeted six times and caught at three. That's got to get better. But again, those guys were threats. And then you go with Deuce Span looked better than I expected. Again, I mean, he he's actually a more complete player and, and, and is actually a threat. You know, what they did with him in the, on the two reverses for, for 20 yards, those 10 yard, that 10 yard average, I'll take. And he gives them a, another another playmaker. Cam McDonald with a couple big catches. And then you get to the guy who, along with Jordan Travis, is really the player of the game, and that's Pokey Wilson. Seven catches for 102 yards, two touchdowns, long of 39. And that guy played a whale of a game. Uh, two contested catches for touchdowns. Now, here's the thing. You get two other contested catches that, that were no more difficult than his catches. Actually, one of them, uh, it, one of his two catches was the most difficult of them all, that one-hander uh, when he was being passed interfered with. And he came down with them. You, make the, you get the other two guys to make their catches under pressure, and this game is not in doubt, really, at any point. So that's how close they were, really, to blowing, the, blowing this game open. Now, of course... LSU also had their opportunities. Some of their opportunities were created by some Florida State mistakes. I mean, their, their biggest drives were actually fueled by 30 yards in Florida State penalties on each case. The opening drive and then the, uh, the drive that got them back within seven. Th- those were fueled by penalties. But even with that, that, that defense made LSU earn what they got. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the stats now. Uh, so you're looking at, See yards per play here. Uh, Florida State five point five, LSU five point three yards per play, and, and and that's inflated because of that last drive, a ninety nine yard touchdown drive, where uh, let's see on that drive, uh, that was uh, eleven plays for ninety nine yards, so nine yards a play on that final drive. Before that, it was a totally different game. I mean, through three quarters. So we'll just we'll look at that. That way we can kind of uh, uh, think about their um, about the progression through three quarters. LSU is averaging four point four yards per play. Look, that's elite defensively against a against a another power team. I mean, LSU had one hundred and seventy four total yards through three quarters. Now they had one hundred and seventy four total yards in the fourth quarter alone. So they matched their total in the fourth quarter and averaged uh, 6.7 yards per play in the fourth quarter, which is not great. But you do understand kind of what they did defensively. I mean, what Florida State did defensively in the, in the fourth quarter. You can, you can kind of you can go with that. I'll, I'll take that from, from Fuller saying, look, they got a minute, and they're now running down on timeouts. We're just going to force them to keep throwing these short things. Now, I would have liked to see a little bit more outside leverage, force them to throw to the middle of the field. Uh where you've got where you've got some guys and kind of funnel them, but I mean I understand what they did. Just each play was taken off a chunk of time, and they basically rolled the dice that they would run out of time. And it turned out they should have, uh, they should have run out of time, but uh, they got that opportunity and they scored. But they they played essentially a prevent there, and I was thinking, well, it looks like they learned from the Jacksonville Jacksonville State situation because if they played that coverage against Jacksonville State, they'd have won that game. So I get it. Uh, that said, that, that kind of skews the stats. But you look at through, through three quarters, which kind of gives you how this game went. Florida State was averaging 5.5 yards per play. They averaged 5.6 in the fourth quarter. So pretty consistent there. And then defense gave up 4.4 yards per play through three quarters. Now they're going to have to finish. 
little bit better. But this defense has a chance to be really, really, really good this year. They handled their business in this game. And frankly, frankly, they they took it to LSU physically. Now, first half, I was very frustrated by the rush lanes that that the ed- ends took in particular. Uh, you know, they were they were pass rushing like they had a two-way go, like they could choose their gap and just go inside or outside against those deep uh, against those uh those offensive tackles and was just giving Jaden Daniels giving him the edge and giving him big lanes when they got too far outside. So they really cleaned that up in the second half. Uh, those guys were much more disciplined in the second half in terms of their, their rush angles. Uh, Jared verse had a heck of a game tonight. He, he struggled here and there at, at different points in terms of, again, there are times where he took a, he took a bad angle or he, he didn't stay in his lane as a pass rusher. But look, when that guy turns it on and when he really has a free go with the quarterback, he's tough to block. He, he really, he, he had his, he had himself a day, he had two sacks, forced a uh, holding call where he would have had a third sack if it hadn't been, uh, hadn't been a, an egregious hold, uh, had several other pressures. I mean, that guy really played a game. So, I mean, talk about nobody expected him to come in and, and be uh, Jermaine Johnson in year one right away, but boy, he's, he's, he's a pretty good player. Uh, I got to say the secondary played better tonight than I expected them to play. You can see, uh, Duke Cooper, Omarion Cooper, still not a hundred percent. That, that much was pretty clear. Uh, and he didn't play the whole game. I think there were, there, there, there were still some concerns there, but just in terms of communication, in terms of playing team defense in the secondary, They've gotten a lot better, and those safeties are really good, and they're good when Shaheem Brown is on the field as well, and that allows them to play some of those dime looks where you bring Jamie Robinson up toward the line of scrimmage, and that's really when they're that's that might be when they're the best as a defense. So then they've got they've got seven guys on the field that can cover at that point. So you know they and and. You got to say Tatum Bethune has radically changed that defense in terms of what he brings to the table as an instinctive linebacker who flies all over the place. That guy's an NFL linebacker, and he's just changed that defense. They haven't had anybody like him on at linebacker in years, and boy, it makes a difference when you have somebody who's just not getting constantly picked on at the second level. So, and a guy that ma- is consistently making plays, guy that's getting into the backfield and, and making tackles there, that's running sideline to sideline and getting there first because he's reading it correctly. And a guy that is in passing lanes, though on the final play, he got just slightly out of the right lane or he, he would have, he would have kept that from being a catch. He, he kind of felt it just wrong. And sometimes you guess wrong is underneath coverage there. And he just did, but that guy's a really good player and they're, they're, ten, they're legit 10 deep on the defensive line. They played 10 guys. I think they actually might've played 11, but they rotated a full 10 guys and had those guys playing meaningful snaps. And there was, you know, there was a drop off. Look, you could tell when Lovett and Cooper were on the field and when verse was on the field, you could tell when, and and also Briggs to some extent, you could tell when those four were on the field versus everybody else, but it's not a huge drop off to where suddenly it's like, Oh, well they're a liability. They, They don't have liabilities in that, in that group of 10. They've got good players all the way down that, that list there's just they're not quite as good as the starters, which is what you expect. 
Now, uh, Lovett, I did see, came up lame a little bit on that last drive. I don't know what that injury was. It looked like a lower right leg, but he didn't turn his ankle. So I mean, I'm a little bit worried that maybe that that's a like a, a an Achilles or something like that. He was pretty unhappy with it, uh, but they didn't really spend any time on it. I, I definitely want to keep my eye on what's going on there. Uh, but you know, as long as he's healthy uh, coming out of this, you, you feel really good about where the defense is coming into year three of the Norvell era. I mean, Fuller Fuller and that defense really played a quality game. They they did more in this game than I thought they would in terms of limiting the LSU passing game, although Daniels didn't really throw it all that well. Uh, you know, he missed some he missed some plays and 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 all of that. But you look at you look at you know, a lot of people thought coming into the into this year that uh, that Bouti was he might be the number the top receiver in the country. And his stat line for the night, two uh, two catches for 20 yards. And he didn't have a catch, I don't think, until the, until the fourth quarter. So targeted six times, two catches for 20 yards. That um, That's really good team defense on that guy. And they they did that with a lot of communication. They bracketed him a number of times in this game. There were a couple, couple times where you could see Daniels, his eyes went to Bouti first. Florida State had, you know, two guys bracketing Bouti and he had to he had to look somewhere else. And in a couple cases, he either got uh, flushed from the pocket there or made a bad throw on his second or third read. Uh, he's a quarterback that I think is is much better when he's throwing in rhythm and throwing to his first read. As soon as you make him come off of that, he's not nearly as as good of a thrower. I think that was that was something that showed up tonight. Uh, but overall, I mean, 143.3 passer rating, and that includes that last drive, which sort of skews things. That that's a that's a pretty good play, a pretty good night from the from the defense. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to complain about there. They shouldn't have been put in the in the situation that they were at the end. And again, they, you know, they were one second from basically handling their business entirely at that point. Uh, they did their jobs. Offensively, I thought this was an extremely well called game by uh, Mike Norvell and, and Atkins, and you could see that they were both. Uh, they were calling that game together and they had some help from upstairs, but this was a really, really good game plan against a quality defense. And yes, it helped that Mason Taylor, the, the wunderkind of a defensive tackle did not play in this game, but they, they really had a great plan in this game to keep LSU off balance up front and to never really let that defensive line take control of the game. And you could see the respect that they gave that defensive front because they, there were times where they lined up and they did push him around a little bit and they weren't outmanned up front. And there were, there were a couple plays where they were able to give Jordan Travis, you know, four, four seconds plus of pass protection. I mean, they handled their business up front, but you could see that it was one of those where they didn't really want to just run into the, uh, into the meat grinder over and over and over again up there. I mean, you look at the, uh, at the numbers here, you've got, uh, Treshawn Ward, 16 carries for 49 tough yards, averaging 3.1 uh, a carry. Jordan Travis with eight carries for 31, 3.9 a carry. Deuce Span for, with two for 20 for 10 yards a carry. And then Benson with uh, six for 15, 2.5 yards a carry. I mean, those are not high yards per carry numbers. And they, they were not going to be getting a whole lot of big plays out of the run game in the way that LSU runs and, and the quality of that front and the, and the speed in the back seven. But they just... The, the thing that stood out to me about what they did offensively was how patient they were. They were really, really patient. They did not panic at any point, and they didn't get greedy. 
And I can tell you in this kind of game, that's really hard as a play caller to do neither one. You know, when things aren't going exactly right or when you've got, you know, a, a shot to, to do something, it's really easy to go off script a little bit and panic. They stayed to their game plan. They kept hitting at the middle of the green. They didn't chase pins. And then when there were a couple pins that presented themselves, they took those shots. You know, a couple of unguarded pins. They they took they took those shots and and hit them close. And that's where the the trick play that went for the first touchdown could not have been called or executed at a better time. And they executed it perfectly. And you know, Pokey Wilson is a good player. I mean, I've defended him on this on this program for about three years now. Because I felt like he's he's a he's a really good player. I mean he's he's underrated. Is he a you know top le- top level number one player at this level? You know is he a power five number one? I don't think so. Not a, not not a true fire like you know NFL number. He's not an NFL number one. He's not a change your coverage number one. But he's a really good wide receiver and 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 runs good routes. Has some legitimate speed. Can make uh, can be pretty reliable with his hands. So, you know, you, you like what you have from him. And when he's one of the guys in the rotation, rather than the guy you have to depend on, you feel pretty good about that. And he's a, he's a good enough player to really make some, make a difference in that role, as opposed to being the only guy. And finally, I mean, Jordan Travis, 20 of 32 for 260 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So completion percentage of 63%, passer rating of 151 You'll live with that every day, especially when you've got a guy that has that escapes multiple sacks. And, you know, you, uh, I don't think, let's see, how many sacks did they have? Okay, there you go. Four, four sacks. So, I mean, not ideal, but four sacks for minus 19. I mean, when he did get sacked, it wasn't for huge yardage because he, he kept he kept this offense on schedule the whole way. And even, you know, the other thing is where they had longer yardage, you know, first and 20, second and 20, third and 15, that sort of thing. They had answers. They ha- they had a lot of things in the bag for specific situations. This was a very very well schemed and scripted and planned game plan for for this big game and and it further reinforces my level of respect for for Mike Norvell as a big game play caller and off- and 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 coach in terms of the offensive planning, some guys just, they're really good at the big game plan uh, that they, that their offenses play even better when they're, when they're in big games, when they're playing against better defenses and all of that. And Norvell is one of those guys. I mean, he is a really, really good offensive mind with all the little wrinkles that he sprinkles in and all the things that, that he forces those defenses to think about. You feel really good about that. And that's a big deal going forward because, you know, you can't just have a, a coach that's only going to win when his teams have a decided advantage. Norvell's a guy whose teams have punched above their weight playing against good teams since he's been on campus. You know, we talked about that in the preseason pod, and this was another game where LSU's a flawed football team. I mean, I they're going to they're going to have they're going to have to reach to make a bowl in in the SEC West with their schedule. Now they've got some non conference gimmies, so they'll make a bowl, but. That's a team that's going to have have some some learning to do, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna have some some issues this year. But it's still a good team. I mean, the SEC West is just a meat grinder, and you know they're not they're not Texas A and M or Alabama, but 
that's a still a good football team, and that is a very talented football team with a lot of really good athletes. And Florida State punched above their weight in that respect, or at least punched at their weight and and handled business. Uh, one final thing, I got to also give credit to uh, to Josh Storms and and the, the strength staff as well, because Florida State in this game did not get physically outclassed. They they did not look like they were any weaker or uh, or slower or uh, less well-conditioned than LSU. I mean, they were able to ha- go toe-to-toe physically with LSU, which, again, is a very good sign. LSU, again, is going to have some flaws, and with Daniels at quarterback, I think they've got some limitations. But that's a good football team, and that's a lot of talent with a lot of size and a lot of strength and a lot of speed, and Florida State did not look any less athletically than what you saw from LSU. They looked better coached overall. And that ultimately I think was, was a big part of the difference, but, uh, but yeah, you'll take it. Uh, I still can't believe FSU managed to make it that difficult on themselves. I mean, that, that should have been a 14 point win down there at the end, but, uh, you'll take a one point win. Definitely take a one point win over just about anything else. Two and O for the first time since 2016, we back uh, with some film study and, and some other things that we can take away from this game uh, during the bye and all of that. But uh, until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.